Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wilds of Connecticut, this is Obscure, the podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure out loud and comment on it as I go. I am your host, your friend, your literary mansplainer-in-chief, Michael Ian Black. Morning time here in the wilds of Connecticut, my shitty little rat dog, Jack-Jack, curled up in his morning position here on the reading throne, uh, indifferent, as always, to the recording of this podcast. But I like to think that my mellifluous, 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 mellifluous voice lulls him into a kind of peaceful stupor, which is probably identical to the peaceful stupor in which he generally finds himself. He is a stupid dog. I am not even convinced he knows his own name. Lately, Jack-Jack has developed a kind of uh, cough when he gets excited Right, Jack? A kind of, a kind of, <laughs> like, uh, and he can, he can, he can move around, you know, skitter and scatter. But if he, if he, if he experiences any sort of, oh, I don't know, adrenal rush, he gets, <laughs> and we took him to the vet. And the vet said, well, his trachea seems fine and he seems fine. It might be bacterial. It might be who knows what it is. But you know what uh, uh, the wife and I think it might be is, you know, we, we adopted Jack-Jack from some lady peddling dogs, you know, just on the roadside, just throwing dogs at cars. And uh, when Jack fell into our car, uh, you know, we pulled over to the side of the road. We said, how old is this dog? And the lady said, oh, we think he's, he's, he's about four. 
which was good because that's how old our other dog Oli is. And we said, oh, they're twinsies, age twinsies. Well, I, I don't, we don't know how old Jack Jack is. It's entirely possible we've been living with a senior dog all this time, or at least an older dog than we had been led to believe, which might be good news because that could mean he's going to die sooner. Death, of course, accompanying us all throughout the last however many episodes of Obscure. People dying, killing each other, killing themselves. And it's left a deep kind of imprint on the uh, Obscure community. A lot of depression, a lot of suicidal ideation. That's not true. But, you know, it's been a dark few episodes. Things maybe are starting to brighten a little bit as we trudge towards the end of the book. We are back at Christminster again. Sue is now back with Phillotson. They have conducted their matrimonial ceremony. She is, uh, you know, repulsed by him as always. And he has, he has assured her that he has no intentions of doing anything to her in the physical realm that she does not consent to. I mean, you know, that's, that's a nicer way. Of, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a grimmer way of putting it. But he's basically saying, don't worry, I'm going to leave you alone. Right? But that was the end of chapter five. Let us begin chapter six. The place was the door of Jude's lodging in the outskirts of Christminster, far from the precincts of St. Silas's, where he had formerly lived, which saddened him to sickness. The rain was coming down. A woman in shabby black stood on the doorstep, talking to Jude, who held the door in his hand. So I think what we're setting up here in this first paragraph of chapter six is Jude going to die. Remember, Jude had been sick before. You know, he'd gotten sick with pneumonia or whatever it was. Was Sue had nursed him back to health. And ever since, his constitution hasn't been quite what it was. So I think Jude going to die. And then he says, I am lonely, destitute and houseless. That's what I am. Father has turned me out of doors Oh, 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 I see. No, that's the woman in shabby black who's talking. Shabby black. So Jude's got housing. And okay, so she's saying, I am lonely. See how I changed my voice. I am lonely, destitute and houseless. That's what I am. Father has turned me out of doors after borrowing every penny I got to put it into his business and then accusing me of laziness when I was only waiting for a situation. I'm at the mercy of the world. If you can't take me and help me, Jude, I must go to the workhouse. Oh, 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 a woman in shabby black. I think this might be Arabella. I must go to the workhouse or to something worse. Only just now, two undergraduates winked at me as I came along. Tis hard for a woman to keep virtuous when there's so many young men. The woman in the rain who spoke thus was, as predicted, Arabella. The evening being that of the day after Sue's remarriage with Phillotson. I am sorry for you, but I am only in lodgings, said Jude coldly. Then you turn me away. I'll give you enough to get food and lodging for a few days. 
Oh, but can't you have the kindness to take me in? I cannot endure going to a public house to lodge, and I am so lonely. Please, Jude, for old time's sake. And, you know, look, we know what Jude's going to do. But you're right, because he's, he, you know, he, she pulls the same move every time. Sue pulls the same move every time. And then Jude pulls the same move every time. No, no, no. I am resolute against your feminine pinings for me. I am resolute against your mewlings. And then you bat an eyelash and I open my door or I open my wallet or I do whatever it is you want me to do. Typical beta male cuck. Typical libtard Jude is. Uh, no, no, said Jude hastily. I don't want to be reminded of those things, and if you talk about them, I shall not help you. Then I suppose I must go, said Arabella. She bent her head against the doorpost and began sobbing. The house is full, said Jude, and I have only a little extra room to my own, not much more than a closet, where I keep my tools and templates and the few books I have left. That would be a palace for me. There is no bedstead in it. A bit of a bed could be made on the floor. It would be good enough for me. Don't these people save? Don't these people have IRAs and Roth accounts? Don't they have mutual funds, these people? Why Why is it then? Everybody's always destitute. You know, something turns against them and they're destitute. First of all, we don't even know if Arabella is telling the truth, right? We don't know that. You know, she's just she's trying to worm her way back into Jude's heart for reasons we do not yet know. Other than she's, you know, single and cannot abide being single. You know, she's one of these chicks who goes from dude to dude, you know, uh, perpetually monogamous or what a, what a serially a serial monogamist. Um, you know, just have going from boyfriend to boyfriend. I was a serial monogamist in my day. I liked having a girlfriend. But at least I'm not destitute out in the rain, begging to go live in somebody's closet. A bit of a bed could be made on the floor. It would be good enough for me. Unable to be harsh with her and not knowing what to do. Jude called the man who let the lodgings and said this was an acquaintance of his in great distress for want of temporary shelter. "'You may remember me as barmaid at the Lamb and Flag formerly,' spoke up Arabella. "'My father has insulted me this afternoon, and I've left him, though without a penny.' The housekeeper said he could not recall her features. "'But still, if you are a friend of Mr. Folly's, we'll do what we can for a day or two, if he'll make himself answerable.' Yes, yes, said Jude. She has really taken me quite unawares, but I should wish to help her out of her difficulty. And an arrangement was ultimately come to under which a bed was to be thrown down in Jude's lumber room to make it comfortable for Arabella till she could get out of the strait she was in, not by her own fault, as she declared, and return to her father's again. While they were waiting for this to be done, Arabella said, you know the news, I suppose. So, you know, here she comes. Here she comes. Little Miss Gossip, little Miss Blackhearted Gossip, come to ignite the fire of Jude's heart and loins. Here's the thing. I've been thinking about this. I mean, as when I say I've been thinking about this, I mean, I thought about it for two seconds because that is generally the extent of my thinking about things. But I was thinking about Earth, Wind & Fire, you know, the band. 
I wasn't really thinking about them, but it occurred to me that, okay, Jude is the earth, right? Just sort of solid, lumpy in places, prone to stasis, right? Difficult to move. Arabella is fire. She is uh, all-consuming. She burns hot. She is carnal. And then, of course, Sue is the wind, ethereal, blowing this way and that, fierce when stirred. So, again, that was the extent of my thought about it. I just, I just liked the image of the troika of Earth, Wind, and Fire in comparing Hardy to a seventies. What would you call them? A funk band? Not really, like an R and B band, I guess. Right? R and B, rockish, funkish kind of thing. So that is my fantastic comparison of the day. I don't even know what are Earth, Wind, and Fire's biggest hits. Let's see. Bum, 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 bum. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, okay, so they're, uh, okay, so first of all, I was right. They spanned the genres of R&B, soul, funk, jazz, disco, pop, rock, rock, dance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In the Stone, September. I mean, I don't know these songs. Here are their biggest Billboard top 100 hits. Their biggest Let's Groove from 1981, followed by Shining Star, After the Love Has Gone. I don't know any of these songs. All right, let's hear Let's Groove. I'm going to put on Let's Groove by Earth, Wind, and Fire. This was their biggest hit. Surely we will recognize it. I have three kids. That's an ad. That's an ad. We've got to listen to the whole thing. videos, doing research. While they're doing that, I'm on video chat with a client so that mama can make some money. Our best internet is even better at our best price. Only on Files. Okay, here it comes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know that song. We all know that song. I didn't know that was called Let's Groove. But um, really, we've, we've gone quite far afield from anything relating to the book. But it really felt like it was important because when I draw any analogy whatsoever, I think it's critical that I pat myself on the back. And so that's what I was doing. And now it's critical that we take a break. Uh, Back in Obscure, let's read on. So Arabella is saying, you know the news, I suppose. I guess what you mean, but I know nothing. I had a letter from Annie at Alfredston today. She had just heard that the wedding was to be yesterday, but she didn't know if it had come off. I don't wish to talk of it. No, no, of course you don't. Only it shows what kind of woman. Don't speak of her, I say. She's a fool, and she's an angel, too. Poor dear. Well, I mean, what's more What's more windy than an angel, Right ethereal spirits just sort of up there in the air and you know arabella's just goading him like the devil that she is and what's more fiery than the devil 
than old scratch, I tell you. Who's more fiery than old scratch? Nobody. Nobody at all. If it's done, he'll have a chance of getting back to his old position by everybody's account. So Annie says, all his well-wishers will be pleased, including the bishop himself. Do spare me, Arabella. So they're just quibbling. They're just bickering. I mean, he no longer, no sooner does he open his door to her than she just starts, you know, sticking the needles in. Just, here you go. Here, how do you like that? Here. And I don't know what she's so upset about. Like, why does she carry this torch for him? She hated him. She didn't want to be married to him. She despised him. And yet, she can't stay away. And all Jude wants is to be left alone. Poor Jude. Poor dear Jude. Just wants to coalesce into a little mud patty and... And, and lie, you know, just lie in his own torpor, the way Jack-Jack lies in his stupor. Arabella was duly installed in the little attic, and at first she did not come near Jude at all. She went to and fro about her own business, which, when they met for a moment on the stairs or in the passage, she informed him was that of obtaining another place in the occupation she understood best. When Jude suggested London as affording the most likely opportunity in the liquor trade, she shook her head. No, the temptations are too many, she said. Any humble tavern in the country before that for me. On the Sunday morning following, when he breakfasted later than on other days, she meekly asked him if she might come in to breakfast with him, as she had broken her teapot and could not replace it immediately, the shops being shut. Yes, if you like, he said indifferently. While they sat without speaking, she suddenly observed, You seem all in a brood, old man. I'm sorry for you. I am all in a brood. <laughs> Yeah, he's in a brood. That's exactly what he's in. He's in a Joseph a brood. And uh, you can't blame him. Everything's going shitty for him. You know, lost his wife, lost his kids, lost his marriage. And now that bitch Arabella waltzes into the door and is just poking needles into him. And, you know, he let her. He should have said, he should have said, Arabella, no, you'll have to find some other accommodations, but you can't live here with me. You know, it's Jude. It's Jude. He was never going to do anything else. He's never going to change. None of them are ever going to change. Right? Even Sue, as changed as she is, her fundamental character remains unaltered. It is about her. I know it's no business of mine, but I could find out all about the wedding if it really did take place, if you wanted to know. How could you? Well, you, you ask, dummy. Well, I wanted to go to Alfredston to get a few things I left there, and I could see Annie, who'll be sure to have heard all about it, as she has friends at Mary Green. Jude could not bear to acquiesce in this proposal, but his suspense pitted itself against his discretion and won in the struggle. 
You can ask about it if you like, he said. I've not heard a sound from there. It must have been very private if they have married. I am afraid I hadn't enough, haven't enough cash to take me there and back, or I should have gone before. I must wait till I have earned some. Oh, I can pay the journey for you, he said impatiently. <laughs> oh, she's just the worst. I mean, in, in his way right now, he's not much better. You know, what did, what did it say? He's letting his sus- suspense uh, uh, supersede his discretion. He just wants to know because he can't let her go. He's never going to let her go. She's always going to be there for him in his heart. And we get that. They're in love. You know, they're still in love. Sue very much loves Jude. Uh, Jude very much loves Sue. Phillotson loves Sue. Arabella despises Jude but wants to be with him. Uh, Phillotson and Arabella don't really know each other, um, but probably dislike each other. And that's where we are. This complex rhombus of relationships. Oh, I can pay the journey for you, he said impatiently, and thus his suspense as to Sue's welfare and the possible marriage moved him to dispatch for intelligence the last emissary he would have thought of choosing deliberately. Arabella went, Jude requesting her to be home not later than by the seven o'clock train. When she had gone, he said, Why should I have charged her to be back by a particular time? That's what I was going to say. She's nothing to me, nor the other neither, right? So he's slowly, slowly starting to accept her into his life. You know, first he lets her in. Then she cleverly puts herself up in the attic and she leaves him alone. Then one day she says her teapot has broken. And could she possibly join him for breakfast if you want, he says indifferently. Then she proposes a scheme he accepts. And before he even knows it, the words are out of his mouth. Be back by no later than the seven o'clock train. So... Those little tendrils are forming between them, little pea shoots entwining. And could there be a fate worse for Jude than spending what is left of his life with Arabella? I don't think so. And maybe that is his ultimate punishment for his hubris, to be condemned to a life with Arabella. And then he says to himself, why did I even say that to her? Why do I care what time she comes back? She's nothing to me, nor the other neither. She's nothing to me, and Sue's nothing to me. Nobody's nothing to me. Nobody's nothing to nobody, and everybody's nothing to me. I feel like that's the beginning of a Gilbert and Sullivan song. But having finished work, he could not help going to the station to meet Arabella, dragged thither by feverish haste to get the news she might bring and know the worst. Arabella had made dimples most successfully all the way home, and when she stepped out of the railway carriage, she smiled. He merely said, well, with the very reverse of a smile, they are married. Yes, of course they are, he returned. She observed, however, the hard strain upon his lip as he spoke. Annie says she has heard from Belinda, her relation out at Mary Green, that it was very sad and curious. How do you mean sad? She wanted to marry him again, didn't she? And he her. Yes, that was it. 
She wanted to in one sense, but not in the other. Mrs. Edlin was much upset by it all and spoke out her mind at Phillotson. But Sue was that excited about it that she burnt her best embroidery that she'd worn with you to blot you out entirely. Well, if a woman feels like it, she ought to do it. I commend her for it, though others don't. Arabella sighed. She felt he was her only husband, and that she belonged to nobody else in the sight of God Almighty while he lived. Perhaps another woman feels the same about herself, too. Arabella sighed again. <laughs> Could she be more transparent? Could she be more awful? Uh... I don't want any can't, exclaimed Jude. It isn't can't, said Arabella. I feel exactly the same as she. You do not. You do not. You tart and you know it. You feel bound to nobody or nothing. That could also be in the Gilbert and Sullivan song. And she's saying, you know, Sue, Sue has a husband. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I have a husband too, Jude? Why shouldn't I have what that lady has? Even if it is to you, you no good loafer. You dust-haired mason. Why shouldn't I have what she has? Why does she think she's better than me? She's, she's only wind, but I'm fire. And she knows Sue's miserable. And she knows, Arabella knows, that she's condemning herself to misery, but she doesn't care. She would rather have misery with Jude than a peaceful solitude. Because she can't be peaceful. For her, there is, for fire, right? There's nothing worse than having nothing to burn. And because it will, you will end up putting yourself out. And she needs fuel for her fire. And the greatest source of oxygen for her fire is Jude. He provides her with an abundance of fuel. It's not because she is so in love with him, which she is not. It's because she knows she can singe him like no other because of their history. She can inflame him, not in a good way, obviously, but in a kind of blistering manner where he becomes cracked and pus-filled in her presence. And that is what sustains her, seeing the effect that she can have on him. So even though she's miserable in one sense, she is delighted in her deeper core because all fire wants to do is burn other things. And now, burn, it's time for a break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, we're back. Let's wrap up chapter six. So Arabella last said, I feel exactly the same as she, and it says he, meaning Jude, closed that issue by remarking abruptly, well, now I know all I wanted to know. Many thanks for your information. I am not going to my lodgings, back to my lodgings just yet. And he left her straight away. In his misery and depression, Jude walked to well-nigh every spot in the city that he had visited with Sue. Thence he did not know whither, and then thought of going home to his usual evening meal. Oh, is he going to drink? But having all the vices of his virtues, and some to spare, yep, he turned into a public house for the first time during many months— among the possible consequences of her marriage, Sue had not dwelt on this. Yes, you know, Jude is a terrible drunk. He starts reciting Latin at every opportunity, and the shame that his fluency in Latin brings is almost unsurmountable. Arabella, meanwhile, had gone back. The evening passed, and Jude did not return. At half-past nine, Arabella herself went out, first proceeding to an outlying district near the river where her father lived, and had opened a small and precarious pork shop lately. Well, she said to him, for all your rowing me that night I've called in, for I've something to tell you. I think I shall get married and settled again. Only you must help me, and you can do no less after what I've stood I'll do anything to get thee off my hands. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how we all feel about Arabella. We will do anything to get her off of our hands. Weren't we all happier as readers when she was married to the publican, whose name I cannot remember at the moment? Weren't we all happier when she was just squired away somewhere at some tavern making some other fella miserable? Now she's back, and I get all antsy whenever Arabella is around. I just get my skin starts prickling, and I just get antsy because she's just conniving, constantly conniving. Very well. I'm now going to look for my young man. He's on the loose, I'm afraid, and I must get him home. All I want you to do tonight is not to fasten the door in case I should want to sleep here and should be late. I thought you'd soon get tired of giving yourself airs and keeping away. Well, don't do the door, that's all I say. <laughs> Her own father hates her. You know, everybody hates her. She hates herself, you know, but she just, she's just, what's she going to do? 
she was born into a miserable lot and has managed to scratch and claw and connive her way through life. That is my only sympathy for Arabella, is that she does not have many opportunities in this world. And so when she sees one, she takes it. In our day, she would be like a, uh, like a stockbroker or something, you know? Or she'd be, she'd be, you know, she'd start, she'd be like the best telemarketer in the world, or she'd be a car salesperson or something, you know, something involving sales, something where she could fleece people out of their hard earned money and she'd be very good at it. Or she'd be a reality star. That's really what she'd be. She'd be Kardashian adjacent. She'd be some low rent reality star on Bravo. We know that. Her goal in life would be to be a real housewife, but she'd never make it. She'd never get that far. You know, she'd, at best, she'd be on that Honey Boo Boo show, whatever that was. So that's where we are. A little forward progress. Sue is wheedling her way into Jude's life yet again. I mean, Arabella, excuse me, is wheedling her way into Jude's life yet again. Um, whatever truth there is in her. I mean, you know, it's interesting with Arabella, you know, in a way she's telling the truth. I mean, she did accurately report on the goings, the goings on at Mary Green. She did accurately give him the details of what had transpired both at the wedding ceremony and uh, with the widow Edlin and with the burning of the Victoria's secret Teddy and all of this stuff. Like she, she is giving him accurate information, but spinning it in such a way as to make Jude even more doubtful and miserable. Like she's putting it in a light of saying essentially that she was right to do what she did. Sue was right to do what she did, that Jude has no uh, hope and that the best thing for him to do at this point would be to marry her, Arabella. She's just putting that idea in his head. And, you know, you think to yourself, couldn't Arabella find somebody with better prospects to sink her claws into? Somebody with a a little more stability in his life, somebody with a little money, maybe some property. But ultimately, That's not what she wants. What she wants is to burn, to watch somebody else burn and to feed that fire. And so that's what she's going to do. She's going to groove tonight. It's all right. So we don't know what's going to happen exactly here with uh, Arabella and Jude. I mean, Arabella seems to know she's going to marry Jude. And it seems like the only one who doesn't know it not yet is Jude. But we feel as though it might be inevitable. Maybe he would rather die than marry Arabella. And maybe when, when I said, Jude, come die, it's not because of illness, as I initially thought. Maybe we're going to have another suicide. You know, maybe he will condemn himself back to the earth 
instead of spending the rest of his days tending to the miserable Arabella. Maybe he would rather extinguish his own flame than be consumed by hers. We do not know. We do not know. But we will find out very soon on another heart-palpitating episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you adieu. Obscure is brought to you by Earwolf. For more information on Obscure, visit our show page at Earwolf.com and be sure to subscribe to Obscure in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And you can talk to us at Obscure with Michael Ian Black at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't, why did you make it all the way to the credits? Obscure is produced by Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and Robin Lynn, who also mixed and edited today's show with music composed by Craig Wedgren. Special thanks to everyone at Earwolf, especially Chris Bannon, Colin Anderson, and the Earwolf engineer team of Brett Morris, Sam Kiefer, and Ryan Connor. If you would like information about sponsoring our show, email hello at midroll.com from the wilds of Connecticut. I'm Michael Ian Black.